Hey, Carl here to say that Music to Code By is now an app called Music to Flow By. Now you can listen to the tracks on your phone with offline capability. The first three tracks are free, and the entire catalog is available by subscription with a new track arriving every month. Just go to musictoflowby.com for all the links. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we are at NDC London in Westminster. We, we're looking out the window at Westminster Abbey. Yeah, we're basically across the street from Westminster Abbey. And here's a story. You don't know this about me, but mm. when I was 12, I sang Evensong in Westminster Abbey. And I think we were one of the first American choirs that was allowed to. Nice. Yeah. With the Westerly Chorus, mm-hmm. which I was in since I was eight. So I was here a long time ago. Long time ago. 12 was a while ago. And I think it was last year or the year before we were at NDC and Kelly, my wife, and I went there for Evensong Mm -hmm. and it was really cool. And I actually got to talk to them and say, and you know. I've done this. I've been there. That was fun. Don't walk on Isaac Newton. Yeah, it's just crazy that the, the people that are buried there. It's yeah, just yeah. an incredible time. The queen was coronated there. Like, yeah, that's where she goes to church. Yeah, it's, well, you know. Yeah. What are you going to do? And they have a special seat for her. I bet they do. And it's red. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's roll the crazy music for Better No Framework. All right. What do you got for me, buddy? Well, this is, <laughs> I think Joel Hewlin posted this in Slack. Um, this is an animated GIF. Nice. That found on Reddit. Mm-hmm. And it, here's what happened. All right. I got to start at the beginning. So, you know about the the fake missile warning of Hawaii. That wasn't a fake. It was just incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. Yes. The false alarm is the what I want to say. false alarm. That's yes. a good answer. Yeah, okay. the false alarm. And it, news slowly leaked out that there was a UI problem. Right. That it was a computer software user interface issue. And uh, then there was also some rumor that it was like a drop-down combo box right. and you can easily misselect the right no, thing. I like the version where it shows both of them and when you go to click on it, an ad appears and shifts it down. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it was a website, right? It was just a bl- web page with a series of links with terrible descriptions, like very yeah. inconsistent descriptions. So somebody made this battleship gray Windows form uh, with an XP background nice. on this GIF and it basically is a little dialog box that says emergency alert system, alert type in a combo, you know, in a uh, what radio do you call buttons. Them? Yeah, radio buttons. And you have four options weather alert, weather alert test, missile warning, and missile warning test. Right. And the, the person using this is trying to select missile warning test, actually anything except uh, missile warning. And it keeps reverting back to missile warning. (laughs) And so you see the mouse go over to the uh, send alert button, but every time it does, it jumps back to the missile warning radio button. And then finally it says, missile warning sent. (laughs) So I think this is hilarious. And I'm I'm very sorry if you're a Hawaiian and had to endure 38 minutes of abject terror. That's the real sin is what took so long. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. I have friends uh, who have a a son and his wife and baby in Hawaii. Wow. And he says it was the scariest 38 minutes of his life. Sure. It left scars. It was so horrifying it's enough time to say goodbye to everybody and you know just go around it why did it take so long yeah yeah well anyway uh so i posted this on facebook and i just said uh speaks for itself really yeah <laughs> you know that's all i said and all these people are like whoa is that it i thought it was a combo box that doesn't look <laughs> like it hey you think this is a joke what's going on here <laughs> yes no it's a joke the truth is worse Truth is even worse. Yeah. It's not been a good uh, tech few weeks. No. A lot of interesting problems. I just, you know, Billy Hollis would have a field day with this. Well, and the other- And Mark Miller. The other line I heard was that no matter what link you clicked on, it popped up with an are you sure dialogue without any description of what you've clicked on. So, what you've clicked is obscured by the are you sure and you don't even know because you And you don't know which one it is and you're so used to it only shows the same dialogue you just hit yes and keep going. Oh. You know, it's just a- Don't you really want the dialogue when you click on the actual missile launch? It's like, you're about to scare the snot out of two million people. Are you really sure? 
Oh, my, 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 yeah. my. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Just, you know. Something. So, I wanted to just share that with you. And all it's right. all right, Jennifer, you can laugh if you want to. There's no <laughs> holding back here. No. She's very restrained. She is very restrained. Uh, who's talking to us, my friend? Grabbed a comment off a of show 1138, which we recorded back in May of 2015. Uh, with Jeff Casimir when he was talking about shepherding novice developers. Right. And knowing we were going to have a conversation about teaching developers uh, or making developers as the case may be, there's a lot of great comments on this show. And admittedly, it was a couple of years ago, but this one's from Andreas who says, great show, guys. I fully agree that mentoring is a huge benefit for younger developers. Mm. I am glad to work at a company where we do full peer reviews of all our code and everybody gets to review everybody else's code. This way, younger colleagues get valuable feedback from the start, but can also share their opinions and suggestions with anyone else in the team. This includes not only employees, but also students working part-time, so they have interns. Mm. Uh, using that process, we can ensure that all code meets all standards, and we get a hands-on experience and feedback for professional developers, even before they start their first real job. So far, the feedback has been great, and our code base is clean to last for many more years. Looking forward to the next episode on code quality and craftsmanship topics. And greetings from Germany. Ah, nice, huh? nice. So, absolutely. And, I, and I'm not going to say that three years later, this is the first show we've done anywhere mm-hmm. in this. Because we've do- talked around uh, different learning aspects and mentoring and so forth. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. growing developers is an interesting exercise and something we need to do all the time. So, Andreas, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. You know, if you're really sure. <laughs> you're about to terrify <laughs> thousands of people. <laughs> do you really want to do that? <laughs> All right, let me introduce Jennifer. Jennifer Wadella has been writing code since before she realized it was a credible career path. Nice. Well done. She currently works as a software engineer at an admission software company and loves building JavaScript apps and speaking at technical conferences. Jennifer is an active member of the K-City, Kansas City tech community and the founder of Kansas City Women in Technology. Kikwit. Is that how you say it? Kikwit. Casey Witt. Casey Witt. (laughs) (laughs) Yours is more fun, I think. Uh, And that's an organization aimed at the growing number of women in technology careers in Kansas City. She's created a number of programs for Casey Witt to help women and girls learn to code, including Coder Dojo KC, Coding in Cupcakes, and Coding in Cocktails. Nice. Don't mix those up. There would be consequences. I actually like Coding in Cocktails. I think it's brilliant. I I don't think I would go to that. Uh, she's a Silicon Prairie Champion Award nominee, Rising Trendsetter STEMI Award winner, and is apparently Missouri's coolest woman, according to Pure Wow. Wow, I didn't know what that is, but you'll tell us. She doesn't blog, but she can handle 140 characters now, more than, more yeah, than that. Yeah, 280 characters? Can you handle that? At like OMG, it's FIDA, F-E-D-A-Y, which... All right, you're going to have to explain some of your bio here. Yep, yep, that's fine. (laughs) Uh, What's Pure Wow? Oh, it's just like a, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, lifestyle website for women that might be fashion, might be beauty, might be like business. Okay. And I was getting random tweets and I was like, all right, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. What the hell happened? <laughs> and, uh, and I had been listed, according to this magazine, as Missouri's coolest woman. And I'm like, wow. I know I'm a programmer. Yeah. Wow. So it was, it was kind of ironic to be named the coolest woman. I'm like, okay, for the, for the nerd, you know. I take that. It was, yeah, it was no pretty kidding. amazing. So. STEMI. STEMI award. Rising trendsetter STEMI. A local organization trying to put the spotlight on on women in STEM careers. In STEM careers, yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh Wow, awesome. So you've been doing some good stuff, it sounds like. I think so. Yeah. So the the idea is programming for girls, and uh, that's I have girls. I have four of them now, but uh, I started with two, and I got two bonus girls. Nice. And um, one of them is really good in science, the youngest one, but she really doesn't have an interest in programming. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I have tried to, you know, just sort of expose what I do here and there, but it's kind of hard, I guess, when you're, when your dad's Carl Franklin, I suppose. I don't know. I, I always are getting two daughters and I've always worried that their experience about software development has mean dad's been away from home. <laughs> that that's what they sort of see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Kind of, they're all way more technical than their peers. Like I realize everyone in my household actually has great computer skills 
They mm. just feel like they don't because yeah. they're hanging around with me most of the time and my friends who do it for a living. You know, the right. fact that my buddy who's an, an IT manager and I come over and we bitch and moan about these ultra esoteric technical subjects. So they think, well, I don't know anything about computers because what the hell did you just say? Right. And yet any <laughs> friend of theirs ask any question that's a normal question about a problem with a computer, they're on it. Yeah. I can help them and know what they're talking about. Like I just think we live in a bubble that's so as being in this industry that we're just distorted from the rest of the world. Yeah, that's true. And also because your mom and dad, if if whatever mm. th- you think is cool by, that's you know, right. your kids are never going to think that. So you find organizations that promote coding with like cool young adults and all of a sudden, oh, it's not mom and dad pushing yeah, it, it's these it. other people. Yeah. Um, so that- uh, That's very fair. <laughs> yeah, yes. that can help out a lot. I mean, sure. I was, I loved hanging out with my dad when I was little, so I don't relate to that trajectory and all my nerdiness is probably very much because of him. Mm. Daddy, can I stay up late with you and watch Star Trek? Daddy, can we <laughs> nice. watch Alien? And my mom's like, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> More about staying up late, really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but my dad was a big role model, just, you know, brought home a computer and mm. I would spend a lot of time on that. Not that they were ever like, you should have computer skills, but it was like, this is entertaining. I can do stuff. So, fact, mm-hmm. could, Especially, yeah. I mean, I'm presuming this was not this was not that recently it was a few years ago where i I also think that software development was a heck of a lot more approachable a few years Mm. back it's tougher now well i so when you look at people that i feel like fall in in my generation of of the way we grew up and kind of the way we got into engineering like i'm self-taught so i didn't Mm -hmm. go to college i didn't go to school for coding um, we got into it so much more organically. Like if you remember that very angsty site, Zanga or MySpace. Oh yeah, goodness, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Friendster. So me, you know, fourteen to sixteen year old angst, like creating some melodramatic background that related to this guy <laughs> that I didn't like me or that didn't know I existed that I liked, you know, and whining about <laughs> right, that on my sure. blog or whatever. But you could write code to customize it to make it look like that. Well, we've got, you know, Facebook and Instagram today that are perfect and there's no way to start, you know, playing with those and so you don't have these really natural organic pathways to right. kind of code without realizing you're coding right um kind of like the key did you guys hit the keynote this morning did not but no. we, were, we were getting ready for these things yeah but um she started off kind of talking about how you know doing these formulas and excel spreadsheets is programming but right. people don't know that they're doing that yeah. and so it's that same concept of getting into these really organic unthreatening pathways where your perception isn't like i'm writing code it's i'm right. you know well i see at least on the boy side, although I don't want to get gender specific here, like Minecraft seems to be a great gateway drug. Yeah, like my there's girls- a certain level of Minecraft where you want to start doing customization, mm-hmm. and I think it. I think it's biased towards boys. It is, but when I think about biased towards girls in that context, it's Jewelbots, it's Sarah Chips, and this, you know, they, this is the Bluetooth enabled gizmo that's all about interaction between devices so it's got it's got that element and what's built in is good but what you can code is better like the possibilities in that device mm. although i think it's c++ you're coding mm-hmm. mm. so it's yeah. like again not a trivial thing to jump into on the other hand it has a strong social component Strong social component, and um, I realize we completely skipped the background of like my organization and how I got into this, and we can circle back to that. Yeah, but, we should. Um, the thing I love about Jewelbots is so when I talk about like Zanga or MySpace or the customization I did, it's because I hit a boundary of something I didn't like and I wanted a way to change it. Right. Yeah. Well, the great thing about Jewelbots is it's explicitly telling girls. This is a product for you. Yes. You are welcome here. Right. So, so that's key one. But then the second thing is, like, you look at the API as, you know, a, a senior level software engineer, and you're like, okay, this is not that big of a deal. Sure. Um, but the cool thing about, you know, teaching kiddos is they will hit like those walls so much faster than you where they like, you know, hit the or reach the limitations of the API and they're like, but I want it to do more. Right. All of a sudden there's your inspired future engineer, right? Who realizes the sky is the limit. And that's the exact kind of engineers we want to be creating for the future. So the ones that look at a limitation and say, no, I, I, I'm not going to accept that. Let's find out a better way to do that. And so I love jewel bots for that aspect. Do we need to gender specify this stuff? Yes. I'm not going to argue with you, like, <laughs> and I'm glad you're direct on that. It's like, yeah. because I, 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 and I, and in hindsight, I just sort of immediately think, because we tend to automatically defer to boys for all STEM subjects, mm-hmm. for better or worse, at least in Western culture. Yep. Right? Because I, certainly in my prep for this show and reading through some comments and things, like there's more than one case where folks from elsewhere in the world going, you know, that's just not a problem here. Mm-hmm. Like, did I do think this 
software development and STEM subjects are for boys is a Western culture phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And that actually an American thing that because in the early days of computers, there were so many more women programmers. Sure. And then when the personal computer came out, they needed to sell these things. Ah, we're going to market them to boys. And so that's really where it started, isn't it? Um, yeah, and I actually do a whole presentation of this. Um, I'll have to link you guys to the slides, sure. but it explains why there aren't women in technology. And that's exactly one of the things I cite back to is I show this old radio um, Radio Shack ad. And so when I say something needs to be marketed to girls, it's because we're already fighting, you know, 50 plus years of gender-based marketing. Sure. Right. And so um, I have no problem with taking that marketing because, you know, it's not a problem we're going to solve overnight. So mm. let's use the resources we have now to create the message of inclusivity for girls. And that's why we need specific products telling them this is okay for you because you're talking to someone who, when I was in middle school, if I wanted to buy a Star Wars t-shirt because I love Star Wars, I'd have to shop in the boys section. Right. And, you know, I grew up hating math because I was supposed to hate math because I was a girl and because my teachers told me I was good at English and mm. I was artistic. Yeah. Um, and Wasn't so, there a Barbie that said math is hard? Uh, there are plenty of t-shirts and I have those <laughs> like, you know, um, I'm too pretty to do math or my brother does my homework for me or oh dancing God. and socializing are my best subjects. <sighs> and mm. so, like... These are all these subliminal messages. And sure. so. Not that subliminal, actually. Fairly blunt. But it goes beyond that. I mean, my, my youngest daughter is a dancer, right? Mm-hmm. She's been doing ballet since she was three. She loves that. She loves the girly girl stuff, but she's also really good at science and math. Mm-hmm. And yet that doesn't appeal to her at all, mm-hmm. but she's really good at it. Let's like, those are the things she excels at at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is also kind of interesting because I do encounter a lot of parents and they're like, well, I want my child to be an engineer. And I don't think we should force people into doing something they don't love. Like my approach is let's make sure everybody gets exposed to programming in a positive atmosphere where they don't feel disparaged. They don't feel like they're a loser for wanting to code or spend their time in a computer. Let's make that positive. If they choose to be an engineer and they're excited about it, hell yeah. If they don't want to go that path, okay. Like we want people who are passionate about their work, right? Right. So let's not force anybody a path they don't want to go down. Yeah, and definitely the main thing is just they won't even look because the social stigma around it means – don't look there. Mm-hmm. Nothing good comes of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're finding, uh, you know, in my case anyway, my daughter's case, is that she does love it, obviously, because she's doing well in science and math, but something in the back of her head is saying, you know, that's not going to be a happy time for me. Yeah. I don't know. Not willing to pay the social cost. Yeah. And it's it's a phantom menace, isn't it? Because after school, you know, you're out on your own. It's like I'm now I'm just left with me and what I can do. Maybe I'd like to do some of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So let's talk about your organizations and what you've been doing to get the, all these cool awards. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the awards are just like something on the fringe. Yeah. Um, the more work you do, the more heads down you are. And anyway, um, no. So uh, five years ago, I um, had landed kind of my first um, my first tech job where I was working alongside other people who knew what I did. Before then, I'd always been at mom and um, you know mom and pop shops doing all the website development, all the design, everything. And you're the only tech guy in the room or tech girl in the room. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. And it's like you know, as far as they were concerned, I went to Hogwarts for witchcraft because <laughs> like you know it was the same level of yeah. It's just magic. Yeah. Leave her alone. Magic is taking place right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's I'm awesome. like jumping up in my cubicle, like take that IEA because I like fixed some bizarre CSS bug. They're just looking at me like. Oh, and you're God. running around the room cheering like I have done something amazing and can explain it to no one. Yeah, and That's just right. like there's no – and so I had um, landed a job at a, at a digital marketing agency and for the first time in my life I was surrounded by people who like loved what I did nice. and knew so much more than I did and I was like, oh my God, my people. Right. You know, because again, going back to being a woman, it was like, you know, I, my friends would make fun of me for like playing Halo at LAN parties with my buddies. Like yeah. girls weren't supposed to do that and they would crash LAN parties and just flirt with the guys and we get pissed because we're like we're, we're playing halo yeah, 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 here yeah. we got stuff um, to do yeah um <laughs> and so you know not ever really having my people it's it's not a fun way to grow up sure. and you know once you land there you're like oh my god and then yeah. you go to developer conferences and you're like oh my god and then you go to PubConf and you're like i've arrived yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyway landed my first job there and i was kind of like at this place where i was really really grateful had kind of gotten integrated in the the kansas city tech community which is very inclusive very welcoming absolutely phenomenal um and really wanted a way to give back and i was like 
you know, I, there weren't a whole lot of women. Like, I was typically the only woman at that company. Um, when I started, there was another woman, Kayla, who was an engineer, too. She was on maternity leave for the first, like, five months and in a different building. Um, so I didn't meet her for a while. And then we, like, came together on a project, and it was like an estro- estrogen bomb went off. And the guys were like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, and I remember when I left that job, and she kind of, like, took my place on that team. She texted me, and she's like... The guys told me they liked my shoes today. It wasn't the same not coming from you. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, they so, were trying. Yeah. It and, funny. Yeah, it's great. And I've, I've um, been really lucky to work with a lot of amazing men in my career. But there is that, that lacking of um, camaraderie and sisterhood when sure. you feel very isolated or when I'm job searching and I'll talk to a buddy of mine who's gone to a new company and I'm like, okay, well, what's the healthcare like? And he's like, I don't know. But why would I ask that question? <laughs> right? hmm. Yeah. So, you know, something that's very different for me, like when I was a young 20-something female versus my young 20-something male friends, um, really, really different. So anyway, um, I wanted to create an organization that brought women like me together, women who are in technology, who are engineers, um, that kind of thing. So I decided to launch this organization. Um, and so we had this big launch party. I think about 300 people showed up. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I met any other female software engineers. 300 hmm. people show up. Hmm. Yeah. And all of the software engineers were male? No. Um, there were a lot of educators right. who saw a new tech group launching and wanted to figure out how to bring code to their classrooms. Okay. Oh. Um, and then there were a lot of women who wanted to get into technology because they un- wow. like saw the, the potential as a career path. And so I like to share this story because I feel like it really shaped the trajectory of our organization, which mm. I can only... Um, you didn't set out to teach. You oh, set hell out, no. You, you set out to build a peer group yeah. and yep. you figure out the only way to build your peer group was to make the peers. Kind of, yeah. Um, Like, I'm a community builder at my core. Like, I've been that way since I was, like, five years old, like, leading the little neighborhood gang of the kids and a new kid would move on the block and I'd introduce them to Mm -hmm. to our group. So, that's just, it's who I am at my core. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, with our organization, it was very much responding to the needs of the community. All these people were like, we see the power of code. Nobody's, how do do we get there? This is this untangible thing. Right. Um, And so, from there, one of the first things we launched was our own chapter of Coder Dojo, which is a global nonprofit that was founded over in Ireland. and so we kind of set up a chapter um, where we took all kiddos K through K through twelve. Um, so n- not just boys, not just girls. You know, anyone, any gender, any um, non-binary people are welcome. Mm. Um, and so we wanted to create this idea of gender blindness that it wasn't weird that they were whatever gender they sure. were um, sure. codings for everyone. Um, so encountered a couple different interesting things that happened when we launched Coder Dojo. And um, I want to hear about those, but yep. we got to take a few seconds to hear this very important message. Hey, Rockheads, this is Carl. Have you tried JetBrains Rider? It's a new cross-platform .NET IDE that's light yet powerful and comes from the makers of ReSharper, IntelliJ, IDEA, and WebStorm. You can write .NET code on Windows, Mac, or Linux. Rider has you covered. Rider helps you develop ASP.NET, .NET Core, .NET Framework, Xamarin, and Unity applications. Most languages used in .NET development are supported. From C-Sharp, VBNet, F-Sharp, and XAML, to ASP.NET Razor Syntax, JavaScript, TypeScript, and all that other front-end stuff. It comes with navigation, thousands of code inspections, refactorings, unit testing, debugging, rich coding assistance, and more advanced IDE features, powered by proven technology from ReSharper and WebStorm. Download Rider now and take it for a 30-day trial at rider.com. .netrocks.com. That's R-I-D-E-R dot D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S dot com. And you're listening to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell here with Jennifer Wadella. She's talking about Coder Dojo, and let's pick up on that story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we would kind of be talking about Coder Dojo at um, school tech nights where parents are looking for STEM activities for their kids because nobody can get enough STEM activities right now. Right, yeah. Um, and this really interesting thing would happen where the pro- like the Coder dads would run up to our table and be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm going to bring my kids. I'm going to bring my daughter. This will be amazing. Yeah. But then sometimes we'd get approached, um, particularly by mothers who would come up and say, oh, I don't think my daughter would like this, but maybe I'll bring my son. 
And so it's not the kiddos mm. that we're having a problem with. It's parents that, right. again, with that gender-based marketing, yeah. um, we're fighting. Already got that social restriction there. Exactly. Restricting the kid before the kid even knows. Huh. So what do we do? Well, what do I do? Um, I brand it. I make it pink. I make it girly. And all of a sudden, the moms are engaged and we sell out all the time. And mm. so that was the birth wow. of coating and cupcakes. Coating and cupcakes. Um, yeah, yeah so me and my gimmicky brandiness. Right. And, um, and a little pink icing goes a long way. Oh, That's just amazing, yes. isn't it? Yeah. But all of a sudden, works. we've created this, you know, um, inclusive feeling and sounding thing that's saying, yes, girls, this is for you. Yeah. Um, but the code underneath the- But you're winning the-, the mom as much as you're winning the kid. Well, mm. and that's huge at that stage because they're going to be looking at their mom so much for social pressure sure. and everything. Yeah. So we need the parents on board and engaged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you'll hear a lot of women who get upset at the idea of pinkifying computer science or, you know, turning things pink. And they're like, well, it doesn't need to be pink. But again, if we're fighting 50 years of gender-based marketing, yeah. that's the Talk message to me we need in to send. 50 years. Well, and the when, other thing is like, I've got eight-year-old girls um, deploying their co- cupcake websites to GitHub pages by the end of it. So yeah. I really don't feel bad if no. the color scheme is pink or purple or yellow or turquoise or yeah. we've had some Doctor Who themed uh, cupcake shops, actually. <laughs> nice. You know, uh, these girls are doing bad things and simply because a little bit of color and branding helped. Mm-hmm. Well, so. it's, hard, it's hard to argue with that. And like I said, it, it, we are trying to undo a stereotype. You have to swing the other way for mm-hmm. at least a time. Yep. But I do like this. You you create a sense of this is what's acceptable. This is what's important. Right. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with pink icing. No, no. And, and so how long does it take to, you know, have to take someone who is interested in STEM, uh, a, a girl who's interested in STEM to sort of get over it, uh, the, the whole things, everything that's working against them? Um, I don't know if you can really assign like a number or a date. I think it's all about experience. It's all about environment and it's all about community. They need to be, feel like they're a part of something, get excited about it, feel empowered. Um, you must have seen it happen on the, every end of the spectrum then, you know, girls who are, who come right in, jump right in mm-hmm. and they're in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some of take a little longer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really funny. So at Coder Dojo, we've had a family that's come almost since the beginning. Um, and the girl Riley, um, she's one of our like highest level, um, kiddos. We do a couple different things. We do, um, mastery badges where, um, like they can create or, um, they can complete a project in Scratch, for instance, and mm-hmm. complete a certain number of things that we think they should know about Scratch, whether it's to use variables or events or, you know, um, I don't know what our, our current listing is. Um, but get up on stage and present, explain their code, because, mm-hmm. again, we're trying to set good practices for our future engineers. Um, and then if they do all that, they get awarded a mastery badge. Nice. Mm-hmm. And they're these cool little pins they get. Um, and her T-shirt, like, sags off her body under the weight of all the pins she has (laughs) um so it's really cool and uh so anytime we've got new girls that come in the into the class um that you can kind of tell they're shy and they're timid we're like hey let's introduce you to riley and and we now have this little like you know uh, 10 to 14 year old girl posse that they have their table at our coder dojo and nice. they're they're rocking out and they're sharing the latest mm. memes and they're like doing mix-ups of like pokemon and frozen and putting those into the <laughs> you know um so building that community and that inclusivity is really what's what's going to help a lot um yeah you've created a social a culture that mm-hmm. includes programming yep as just part of, uh, as part of the culture mm-hmm. and i I'm, i've always got a soft spot for kids teaching kids mm-hmm. like i just think that's magic yep when we as adults can step aside and the one with more experience is helping the ones with with less experience see what's possible. Yeah. And I think everything moves faster at that point. Well, and I call that 360 mentoring where a lot of what we do is we encourage those kiddos to turn around and, and teach the next one. Sure. Um, you never learn better than when you have to teach. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like and the, especially with women, that really boosts their own confidence and their skills because women are notorious for rating themselves as less qualified than they really are. Sure. And yeah. so when you put them in a mentoring position and they're helping somebody else, oh my gosh, the confidence yeah, yeah. boost does yeah. wonders yeah that's amazing it comes directly from source i um i think it was a run as radio years ago it was a woman i met at a tech aid conference who had been involved with microsoft for years and years and years and she carried with her this uh, uh mit study where they they would take they took a, a group of 100 men and a group of 100 women and they basically gave them the same script it's like these are the skills you have these are the jobs that are available which one would you apply for? Hmm. Yep. And the, if the men had three skills that matched the requirements, they would apply. The women would only apply if they had seven of the skills. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so it's just sort of this axiomatic, they 
you know, we, and we talk about how often, and we've talked about this with, with our guests and with shows and so forth. It's like the women coming on stage tend to be overqualified. Yeah. Like they have worked so hard and reached such a level. It's like you're actually overshooting the mark here for what most people expected. Yeah. Uh, at least on, from a male perspective. And that, that paper, especially just to grab me, it's like, this is a systemic difference. And so mm-hmm. you have to treat differently. You just mm-hmm. have to think differently about that problem. Yeah. Um, I l- always like to cite an article um, anytime I do, uh, like in my Jewelbox talk or anytime I talk about w- women in technology issues. Um, so a while ago, some psychologists did a study on 10-year-old girls and 10-year-old boys, high IQs. And the study had really interesting results. The more challenging the material was, um, the more aggressive the boys were about attempting it and tackling it mm. versus the girls. The higher the girl's IQ was, the quicker she was to drop attempting the more challenging curriculum. Mm. And so they're like, okay. She was smart enough to know to stop. No. Oh, interesting. No. Any guesses on why this might happen? All right. So let's let's think about, you know, girls and boys when they're, you know – in school up to the age of 10, um, how do you typically describe boys in a classroom setting? Chaotic. Yeah. Chaotic, a little more rambunctious. Yes. Girls mature a little faster yeah. at that age yeah. are more on, on task. Okay. So we're getting girls who are focused and, um, you know, able to complete work and, and do a fairly good job. And we've seen women continually perform well, even start outperforming men in, in school. Um, and you've got boys that are kind of going crazy all over the place. So the boys are getting told, hey, Focus. Hey, just keep working on this. You know, keep working and you'll get to figure this out. Right. Versus the girls have already figured it out. So they're being told, oh, you did such a good job. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so, you know, studious. Well, so girls are getting this idea that intelligence is an innate trait. And once they don't understand, like, that's just, that's their cap. They're done. Versus boys are told, okay, as long as I'm choosing to keep pursuing this. I can hmm. do more. I can do more. And I've, I've cited this study, you know, probably, I don't know almost a dozen times it talks and I've had women come up to me crying after. Mm. And, and it was the same thing for me. Like after I read the study, it blew my mind because high school, you know, I was 4.0 student over 4.0 national honor society, Spanish, Spanish national honor society, marching band, all the extracurriculars. And then I got to college and I was an econ and flunking and just bawling to my mother on the phone every night about how I was too stupid to be in college and I was mm. wasting money. And like, I'm just too stupid and I need to come home. I had never been challenged before. Right. Yeah. And like even in my programming career, it, when I would you know encounter something ta- challenging that I needed to learn or didn't understand right away, um, oh well, I'm just not smart enough. Like I'm not as smart as those other programmers. Yeah. And then I read this study, and it was like, boof, yeah, mind blown, complete game changer. But it's the same story for so many other women like me, super intelligent. But because the way we were kind of raised to think even about our own skills and being so innate, it's just you hit that roof and you're like, oh, nope, I'm not smart enough for this yeah, if one. I can't, I've always been able to just do it. Mm-hmm. So I can't just do it. Then I can't do it. Yeah. There's no press against that. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I, I hit on this while the girls were still teens, but just this acknowledgement that's like calling anyone talented is the meanest thing you can do. Yeah. Because it's not them. Then it's like you have been bestowed. Yes, right. And now you have an obligation as opposed to the truth. And you know who taught me? One of the people who gave me a great example? You. You are a remarkable guitar player. Oh, thank you, sir. But I do not call you talented because no. I think it's a crime. You are skilled. And I know why you're skilled. I've been doing it 40 years. <laughs> and, you, and I've been on the road with you for weeks and watched you practice every day. Yeah. And you earn it. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. It's like you did extremely well. Clearly, you worked hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it'd be useful to offer you more difficult material if you want to try and go farther, challenge your skills. Mm-hmm. But that basic statement of this represents effort on your part, right? Yeah. As opposed to, oh, you're so smart. Mm-hmm. It almost right. says, you know, when people say, oh, you're so talented, it's such a gift. You know, it's almost like. Uh, like you lucked out. Yeah. You know, you won the lottery. You won the lottery. This and is not nothing you did. It just happened. To I you. would be sitting playing a guitar and a stranger would come up to me and say, wow, how long have you been playing? And my answer is eh, about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite joke because, you know, wow, how long have you, they, this is the first experience they have of me, but they haven't seen 40 years of, mm-hmm. oh my sure. God, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I also wonder if it's a way to let yourself off the hook when you see someone yeah. with a skill like that. It's mm-hmm. like, right. oh, I want to know how long you've done it so I can say, well, that's why I don't sound like yeah, that. Right. I haven't done it for 40 But years. the gift thing is the ultimate excuse, isn't oh, it? Oh, ultimate, like, yeah. You know, well, you got the gene and I didn't, yeah. you know. Now, I read a book called Talent is Overrated. Yeah, is it Malcolm Gladwell? No. This, <laughs> is, this is a... Sounds like it would be, right? It would be. Yeah, he did <laughs> another thing similar. The, um, well, he, 
Outliers. Yeah, outliers. the outliers. Yep, so the, the what I liked about the talent is overrated is it was a group of psychologists who at the beginning of the book, they clearly believe there is talent and they want to quantify it. Yeah. And by the end of the book, they've pretty much categorically proven doesn't exist. Yeah. That there's only work. Yeah. That it's inevitable. There are a bunch of reasons why we end up with that much effort mm-hmm. right, that are subtle and not, you know, not always obvious. But in the end, it's only about the work. Well, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? It must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to launch a new coding school in Hawaii. Uh, oh, maybe I shouldn't say launch. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I mean to. Too soon. Tra- too trigger any much too soon. PTSD there. I'm sorry. Uh, I agree. That was. Too I said soon. the wrong thing again, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that was funny right there. All right, thank you very <laughs> much. Don't care who you are. It's actually, was it wasn't talent. <laughs> no, it wasn't no, talent. it definitely it wasn't definitely talent. definitely worked for it. I did. Uh, it's a complete lack of decorum, <laughs> I think. That's what it was. <laughs> or a lack of class, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's time to give away a D-Experience subscription from DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. And check out their DevExtreme React grid, built from the ground up to fully support all the cool features that come with React, like virtual DOM, state controllers like Redux, sports master detail, sorting, grouping, paging, and editing, and you should check it out for free on GitHub. And learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at devexpress.com slash superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Mark Kelly. Congratulations, Mark. Congratulations. And uh, Mark has been chosen at random to win the D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from our friends at DevExpress, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of said fan club but you got to sign up to win and jennifer it's your turn we like to ask our guests if you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology today what would you buy new macbook pro my poor error is about to crap oh, out on my me goodness. it decided to tank in the middle of my presentation at code mash which is like Ow. worse Ow. than the naked nightmare <laughs> god i was mortified wow. tanking machine at code mash oh. yeah. you can take my clothes don't take my mac but <laughs> Apple products aren't supposed to crash. Yeah, that doesn't happen. They don't crash. Oh, that's just, that's yeah. crazy oh, talk. Yeah. crazy I was like, talk. Hmm, my report is taking a little bit longer to run the normal. Oh, you no, didn't think, the standing rainbow wheel of death. You didn't think, oh, I must be too stupid to do this, to use this oh. Mac. No, no, that was not user <laughs> that was error. Not I was like, error. this is not my fault. But I'm the speaker, so everything that goes wrong in the presentation is my of fault. Course. So definitely that. Um, other than that. El Nino is my fault. And would you, But you'd stick with the laptop. You don't want the desktop version of the iMac. No. Because you could drop five grand on an iMac Pro without even looking. Like, boom, gone. No upgrades. iMac Pro? Isn't that a contradiction in terms? They I'm, have a Pro. I'm going with the names they use. Huh. I don't know, but I take the rest of the money and update my PC at home and uh, jump on that uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum mining trade. Oh, there you go. I really? got super into crypto kitties in December, okay. and I was like, why is my transaction not going through? And then, of course, <laughs> like being a nerd, research the shit out of how everything works. And then I was like... I just heard a report about people who bought Bitcoin when it was like two cents each, and then they lost their hard drives. Yep. yep. And now that it's it was like a, when it hit eleven or twelve thousand dollars, they're like, "Oh my God, where's that hard drive?" Yeah. Find that drive. And there was a guy who had hunt, calculated hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin, and he threw his hard drive away, and he went to the dump to try to find That's it. That's probably worth it. He couldn't find it. Oh, that that surprised me. I probably wouldn't be able to retrieve from it anyway. Yeah. In the early days of Bitcoin, right, the two thousand eight two thousand nine timeframe, when you ran the mining algorithm, you mined. 50 coins at an iteration. Wow. Because there just wasn't that many in circulation. It was a way to sort of kickstart the thing. These days you mine for days mm-hmm. to maybe get a coin, right? Like the, it's the, the way the algorithm works is weighted heavier and heavier. But there are folks out there that ran, you know, tested it out, ran it for a while, mined 10 or a dozen blocks at 50 coins each. Yeah. 
and at you know ten thousand, fifteen thousand bucks a crack, you should find that hard drive. Well, you know, and they estimate, and I can't remember the number, but it was in the billions of dollars in lost, lost Bitcoin, coin. Oh, just yeah. because people don't know where those hard drives yeah. are anymore. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we're recording this, of course, the show's going to come out later. Bitcoin's been tanking. So, it has. Yeah, it's yeah. been good time to buy. Yeah, it's a, is it a good. Is it a good time to buy or is the rodeo over? It's hard well, to blo- know which. Blockchain certainly isn't going anywhere. Nope. And Bitcoin seems to be the leader in blockchain yeah. And currencies. crypto kitties are yeah. forever. Somebody was asking if we we're going to update the cryptocurrency geek out. And I went back through the notes and it's, there's nothing new to talk about. Yeah. It's really not that – nothing's changed really. I know. You know what has changed is there's a big demand for blockchain developers. And I bet you don't even know what those are. Yeah. Those well, are just people who know how to, to manipulate the blockchain. Have well, you guys seen that like flowchart? Does your project need blockchain? Okay. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there are people paying money to, yeah. for these guys. It's very yeah. hip, if not particularly practical. An old boss of mine was interviewing just like, you know, a ton of companies that had nothing like relevant, but they all wanted blockchain experience. Right. And it's like, all yeah, right, yeah. sweetie, we need to tone down this buzzword nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dial that back. It's like now, if you're putting blockchain in your job requirements, you're telling me don't work here. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, not yet, anyway. Yeah. Who knows? If, you yeah. know, it's really. I'm. We've got folks who want to come on the show and talk about blockchain. It's sure. Like, bring me something running in the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will talk. That's yeah. connected to your IoT, so you can use big data. And yeah. Buzzword, and, buzzword, and, buzzword, and buzzword, buzzword. Cloud, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like a running joke in one of the Slack yeah. communities I run longer, where we just like mash everything together. But, you know, if somebody <laughs> spent money on it and they're making money from it or it's part of the business flow, then it's worth talking about. Yeah. If we're going to dance around terms and how great it's going to be someday, mm-hmm. no need. Yeah. Yep, Move right. on. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> what were we talking before we were so rudely interrupted by a bad joke? <sighs> that joke wasn't that bad, man. If, okay, it, if well. a little inappropriate. Didn't you guys want to hear about cocktails? Yes. Let's <laughs> we did everybody get cupcakes. Let's do Cody your cocktails. Minute. You brought cocktails? <laughs> oh, no. I, I did. I was not able to um, pack our bartender in my bag. Oh, um, that's no. A shame. But so the final iteration um, out of some of the programs we run is coding and cocktails because we had so many women signing up for coding and cupcakes saying, I don't, wa- I don't have a daughter, but can I come anyway? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Love <great>. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so again, never set out to write curriculum, like, kill me, slash risk. No, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. no. But, I mean, when when the women are coming to you saying, you're a woman in technology group, why aren't you teaching me how to code? It's like, well, if we want to fulfill our mission of getting more women in tech careers, we need to respond to the demands of our community. Yeah. Um, so launched an 11-month um, series called Coding and Cocktails, where we're teaching um, specifically front-end development in JavaScript, because there's a huge need for JavaScript in Kansas City. Sure. Um, a huge need for it everywhere is all like our dot, old .NET projects, like jump over yeah, to JavaScript, because right. right. it's the new, the new hip. Um, and so teaching that, of course, with craft cocktails by um, seasoned bartenders in town who Wait, work at some... do they have ironic facial hair? Because you get a bonus for that. No, no, they are women bartenders. Oh, well, women I bartenders. Guess sometimes Laura's boyfriend bartends, and he does occasionally have ironic facial hair, but he's also a musician. So Mustache I think wax? It's, oh, he's a musician? Okay, he gets away with it. Yeah, there right. All right. Uh, he's a cool dude. He's actually how I, I met Laura's, because I worked, um, his brother is in data science, and I worked with him at a company, and I was like, hey, are you Nick's brother <laughs> at an event? Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so that one's a lot of fun. Uh, I was just at it Saturday night before I, I flew to London for NDC. Packed house. I mean, wow. we are That's getting great. borderline angry emails. People are trying to name drop to get in, and we were simply out of space in our venue and frantically trying to that find somewhere mm-hmm. to fit like 60 women who want to learn to code wow. and you know 30 mentors and a presenter and yeah so it's exciting That's that crazy. is exciting mm-hmm. so there's another part of my life that uh, is non-technical which is uh, musical as richard was talking about i have this recording studio and uh, it's really nice and i use it as a as a studio and i hire record bands and stuff but the, it dawned on me that the studio would be a really cool place for tween girls to have birthday parties and so i started marketing it as a birthday party place nice. and we've done five birthday parties there all like in the 11 to 13 year old girl space and they, they you know they get microphones we set up the stuff mm-hmm. you know we can play music we can record them and do all that stuff and I had a sim- the similar experience that you had with parents. It's like, hey, I want to have my birthday party in a recording <laughs> studio. <laughs> oh. You know? That's awesome. fantastic. So it's great that you get parents involved and then they want to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Gets really excited. So you 
Do you do this coding cocktails? You have 60 students, 30 mentors? No, we are only able to fit. I think we're trying to squeeze in like 47. We should really cap it at like 37, but we're like, we don't want to turn any women yeah, away. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, but we'd like to be able to take in 60 per session once a month. And we're mm. to the point now, it, we're different than we were last year because last year we were still trying to build our mentor base and, you know, reach those women who are yeah, often so isolated, the only woman at the company. And so it can be hard, but once you like connect to them, um, it's really great, but now we're even waitlisting mentors um, uh, because yeah. we just so, we are physically out of space. So and you run more events, and your mentors tend to be who do your mentors tend to be? Uh, women software engineers from all around the Kansas City area. Wow. So a bunch of different backgrounds. Really like having them share their stories. Um, some of them are self taught, like myself. Some of them did come from a more traditional computer science background. Um, great. Yeah. So the more different pathways we can have mm. women talk about, we like to highlight um, a couple mentors every session. Um, and some of them have gone all the way like through our program and gone to maybe a boot camp and come back and lived their first job and are officially mentoring now. So we got that 360 I mentoring. Love it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, how do you feel about the, the web boot camp type, the 16-week, 20-week programs? Um, I I haven't sat down and like evaluated their curriculum. Mm -hmm. That being said, I've got friends who um, help train um, babies, as I call them, um, that are fresh computer science grads at one of like some of our big tech hires in town. And you've got computer science students who like don't know what a for loop is right. coming out of college. Yeah. And so like I mean, for practical knowledge, um, I think boot camps seem to be hitting things the right way. I still don't know. Like, for instance, JavaScript has just completely sprung up where you're still not seeing it traditionally taught in a computer science mm -hmm. yeah. um, curriculum course. Uh, so, you know, getting those ready-made skills, um, teaching version control, uh, right. another thing that isn't often taught, sure, but that's yeah. so freaking crucial to yeah. you know, being a part of the team. Problems, like any of those sorts of things. Yeah, so I think those are good, and I think they break down that misconception that you can only be successful in this industry with a four-year-plus computer science degree. Mm. Well, so. and honestly, most comm sci degrees are pretty far removed from software engineering. Mm -hmm. they, 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 yeah. They're much more focused on languages and operating systems. And, yep. and, and low-level systems yeah. and things. Oh, we are starting to see more engineering-related curriculum, but mm -hmm. they're pretty rare. Yeah, and it's really interesting because a lot of women will come to us and they get really hung up on which programming language they need to sure, learn. Right. And, you know, me being self-taught, me being, you know, and always living in the camp of get shit done, I'm like, the most important thing you can do is teach yourself how to learn and to continually mm, learn because yeah. technology is never going to, like, hit a brick wall and be like, nope, we're done. Yeah, right, we Like, finished. that's just, that's that's a foolish <laughs> mindset. And so the more you can set yourself up to be continually learning and continually growing is what's going to set you up for success, whether Great. this language or this language, unless you really want to have pissing contests on Reddit over you know yeah what language is better no, yeah. you're right learning how to learn learning how to find learning how to search google or bing right mm -hmm. i mean learning how to search mm -hmm. that doesn't seem like something that should be taught because we've been doing it since it existed but but there's an art to it well and um that's what we do at coder dojo we tell new mentors like don't give the kiddos the answer teach them how to search on google make sure safe sil filters are on because sometimes they'll do like anime image searches and you're like oh my god what yeah, was yeah. that <laughs> yeah. there are some <laughs> searches some you just shouldn't go to yeah into the, some of that hentai stuff and you're like oh yeah, dear man um, yeah, yeah. yeah but so we teach them how to google and then the really cool thing that i like about Jewelbots is they have their own documentation right and so it's easy to kind of start to teach that skill set of instead of just telling the girls what to do right. Right. Hey, let's go read the documentation. Let's figure out how to do this together to kind mm. of set them up for that learning path of, oh, somebody will create something. Hopefully, they'll give me half-decent half documentation. Uh, we haven't had to dig into the source code for much for Jewelbots yet, but I do that with <laughs> random libraries in my current project. <laughs> where right. I'm like, uh, there has to be a method for this, but it's clearly not on their GitHub page. So let me go. Anyway, um, but kind of teaching that skill of knowing the right places to search for the information that's going to help you be successful in your yeah, projects. Yeah, and the right, the right terms to search. Have you seen letmegoogle-that-for-you.com? <laughs> I showed my... Uh, do you know that one? Uh, There's another one, and you'll have to bleep this, called just Google it. Yes, com. that's yeah. the acronym I taught my dad. Yeah. Um, well, let me Google yeah. that for you is cool because what you do is you put in the link and it creates this little animated GIF. Uh, and basically when you send it to somebody, it's this encrypted URL, so they don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then when they go there, it's an animation of somebody going to Google, typing in the words, mm -hmm. and then hitting the search button, and then they get the real results. <laughs> Yeah, you which, could have done this. <laughs> but of, to be fair, that can be like kind of a jerk thing because, like me at totally this point in my life, thing. if I wanted to Google something for that information, then I would do it. That being said, if I want to ask a like a question to an actual person to get their thoughts, yes. like yeah. if you do that thing. to me, I'm going to be like, 
booted well, from I, our Slack channel. <laughs> yeah, I've done that to uh, to some of my guy friends who have uh, asked me questions that they could have easily could have googled it. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a jerk. So thing, how but long it gets is, a, is a is a coding and cupcake session? Is it an afternoon or a whole um, day? Or? <laughs> so we uh, we're kind of crazy. So we run all our our programs every second Saturday of the month. Okay. So Coder Dojo, we start off nine a.m. to noon. Um, coding and cupcakes runs 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. and then cocktails runs 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. But if you've never been before, you can show up early at 4:30 and install your tools. Right. Um, wow. And so we found for most kids, like three hours seems to be a good session limit because if you're working with somebody new, getting online, getting accounts created, getting emails verified, that whole process can take longer than you think. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you want them to have enough time to like really get into it, really get excited, and you'd be amazed like how engaged they stay. Um, so that seems to be like the happy place we've found that's a it's a good amount of time for them to spend to really get into something um and they're still even with three hours like the last minute panic we let kiddos who have completed a project on theme for that session um come up on stage and present so they'll be like scrambling last minute changes wow. and then they'll get up and something will go wrong in their scratch project and we're like oh yeah that's a feature not a bug <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, but in if they come back the following saturday or the following month of yep. saturday's they can pick up where they left off and go further? They can. Um, so we will take like uh, around 100 kiddos a session. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like... It's the, a lot. It's a lot. Um, and we're really uh, lucky for this one to have a really awesome space. Google Fiber has a good community center and they've been hosting us for going into... Well, we're like halfway into our fourth year. Wow, great. Um, yeah, and so big open room that's a lot of fun, and we do very um, Socratic approaches. So kind of what we'll do is we'll have a project theme, because um, you can tell kids create, and sometimes they'll get overwhelmed, especially those kiddos who've been in the school system and been told, you know, you need to do one, two, and three in this exact order and copy the text from the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you tell them to create, and they're like, what What does that mean? We've right. already, like, killed the engineering mindset in that. Yeah, right. Um. So we'll have some sort of like guiding. Maybe it's what did you do on your summer vacation or like what's your favorite sports team or, you know, some sort of prompt to work within or we've done like build your own zoo before and Mm. then some sort of programmatic concept. So whether it's like random or using variables or lists or that kind of thing um, that they'll have to have those parameters to work within. And then from there they can do whatever they want. So they could create a project that fulfills those in scratch. They can do a project that fulfills those in HTML and CSS and JavaScript. Mm. Um, We had a kid come in that didn't apply to him, but he's like, I want to learn SQL. And we're like, Okay, googling <laughs> frantically, like you know. how are we gonna do this? Yeah, because like you'll get Neat. these kids that'll like have these oddly specific requests that you're like, okay, let's make this happen. Yeah, that's by the uh, way, yeah, sure. yeah, and so that way, um, you know, our our volunteer team that is running the organization are not creating this robust curriculum every time. It's approachable, so anybody at any level can jump in. They can keep working on a past project. Sure. Mm. Um, the mastery projects are tend to be um, bigger and take more sessions to work on than just like a, a during session yeah, um, project yeah. prompt. Um, so that's but what I also like us. that idea that you could have a range of skill levels in the room mm-hmm. too. Yeah. folks that have been a few times and are further down the path yep. possibly could help their neighbors like that, that, that crossover part gets really powerful and you don't, you don't, if you miss the first session, you're not hooped. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's what was really important to us. Cause of course we'd have kiddos that have come in that their parents are like, all their school teaches is PowerPoint. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've got those kiddos who need experience, but the one we've also had kiddos who are like, I don't know, 14 have already taken all their computer science classes in high school and yeah. gone, well, what now? My teacher doesn't know what to tell me. Yeah. And so it's cool that we can have engineers on site who can like, you know, pull something out of thin air to sure. help them start working on. So we try and accommodate all those different ranges so five years you say you've been doing this casey wit yeah we uh february of 2013 mm-hmm. okay yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and then coder dojo launched that october so have so. you seen any uh girls come through the program and actually progress and, and continue oh yeah on? oh yeah um and it kind of at all different levels so coder dojo we've got returning girls and regulars and girls who have started off that are really shy that are now some of our lead junior mentors nice. and always up on stage and presenting and stuff like that so that's cool to see yeah. um but even with our adult series coding and cocktails we've had women come get involved in our community feel empowered to go and pursue more educational ones mm-hmm. so uh one woman came to i think our i think she got into our sold out january session of coding and cocktails last year decided to sign up for ku boot camp 
um, went and landed her first full-time job as a developer and has now come on board um, to be on our Coding Cupcakes leadership team. So it's kind of cool to see that full. And we've got a ton of stories like that of women who have come to us and then been like, okay, I can do this. Wow. And utilized our community, our resources. um, That's so awesome. Paired with education. Yep. Yeah, very powerful stuff to to be able to be self-referential like that. You, You grow the folks that end up growing the folks. Mm-hmm. Where do you, where does this go from here? How how big do you want to scale this up? Well, I tell people uh, the ultimate goal of the organization is to no longer need to exist. Nice, right? Which is all work. Yeah, exactly. It's um, very enlightened viewpoint. Actually. Yeah, and I've been a- approached to you know bring it to other cities and scale and franchise, but um, I mean. I don't feel like we're ready for that from an organizational standpoint. I've got mm. about 26, no, 20, we just made a new offer, 27 people on my leadership team who are running yeah. these operations. Right. Um, we are a 501c3, but we, I run it like a lean startup yeah. um, in the way we do things. And I don't know if that model will work for everybody and for every community. Mm. And I think part of our success is because we're so grassroots, we're so organic that you know, we're not just lumping together this thing and saying this is going to work for everybody. And so I would hesitate to expand it. Like I'm more than willing to coach and help people build their own thing, but build what your community needs, not what you've seen work in another community. Cause there's no way we could launch this in, for instance, um, San Francisco and have the same sort of impact just because it's a vastly different landscape. Mm. Sure. sure, But it wouldn't surprise me at all. If you find folks in other cities that might want to come and observe Mm -hmm. what you guys are doing, and take it away and build it their own way for their own community. I mean, exactly. you don't have to go as far as franchising, but mm-hmm. at least have a, a sort of maybe even a licensing agreement yep. so that you could do your own and here are the things that you need to do and things that you can't do and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I think I really think part of our success has been a lot of the really intangible stuff. Um, mm. So, for instance, you look at coding and cocktails. Um, when you, okay, when you walk into a .NET user group, like describe that scene for me. Yeah, a lot of geeks sitting around in chairs and eating pizza and yeah, okay, not really talking all that much. <laughs> so you walk into coding and cocktails. We've got decor out on the tables that match our theme and our branding. The music is bumping. We've got a killer playlist. We've there got cocktails go. being served. We've got winters who are women saying, hey, let me help you get set up. Are you a Mac or PC? Right. And they get seated at the appropriate table. We introduce them to the people around them and start up conversations. And so all those That's fantastic. Um, kind of intangible things that – really make a difference to women feeling like they do deserve to be in that room and do have a seat at the table. And so it's not like we're teaching anything really novel in what happens in our presentations. That being said, um, Lindsay Lindsay Pageant, who's also a speaker, does our presentations um, and she does a fantastic job, but it's not like she's teaching some new bold content. It's the fact that we have a presentation. um, We've got a technical materials director and a curriculum director who create a worksheet. And so our attendees can view the presentation, work on their worksheet with mentors around. So it's not just you sit, you hear something you leave and it falls out the back of your head right we've got all these interactive components that are really saying we want you to be successful we want you to you know kind of retain what you have here and have the resources to move forward and ask us questions in slack yeah so (laughs) i also think you described setting people into a state to immediately learn Mm -hmm. too that you're here Mm -hmm. you're included you're a part of something you know here we go Mm -hmm. so getting everybody in the right mind right off the bat so what's in your inbox what's next for you Oh my god, I have no idea. I even looked at my calendar. <laughs> I'm like, well, um, so I I got married last year, and I kind of like, yeah, thank you, but I kind of like lost my mind because I was like, oh my god, I lost a year of my life planning a stupid <laughs> wedding. Who am I? Um, and so I like kind of like went ape shit, applied to all these conferences, promptly forgot about it, like mm-hmm. as I settled back into life, and then got accepted and went, oh my. God, crap, what am I going to do? <laughs> now I have to do them all. <laughs> yes, I know. So not that I'm complaining because like, oh my God, I'm in freaking London. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, once I get through my Jewelbots talk tomorrow, um, I don't know. I think So you're thinking as far ahead as tomorrow. I know. That's like how big I am. You probably have a flight home book too. I do so have a flight home. you've got a little more planning than that. Yeah. Oh, PubConf. I'm excited for PubConf on Friday PubConf. night. Um, yeah, but other than that, um, we've still got a couple leadership roles on um, – my Casey Witt team that we're trying to fill to get that rolling smoothly. Um, I'm actually in the process of writing a book about community organizing. Um, If I get the title I want, it's going to be called Committees. Uh, a guy to right. non-traditional the non-profit leadership. Censors are going to have a you have to beat that show. one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's no, that's fine. That's um, it's a good London, title, right? actually. Going to be tough to get get it printed. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll use an asterisk if I have to. Um, but yeah. so I'm working on that. But that goes to the theme of helping other people do what I've done and sure. hopefully not mm-hmm. make all the mistakes that I've made. Although making mistakes is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but other than that, just wow, daily grind. That's, Keep on going. Yeah. What an awesome story. 
Yeah, good fun. Yeah, thanks so much, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Transmit a band by the FCC.